Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to another Top 10 Debate. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadley Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to talk about behind-the-scenes secrets revealed by former WWE writers. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Michael Hamlet to talk about his article, 10 behind-the-scenes secrets revealed by former WWE writers. These are always fascinating, Hamlet. Was there any specific reasoning behind this, this list cropping up at whatculture.com? It was, and this is one of the entries, which I do try and keep out the list normally, but I think it was too juicy not to dig into. It was the cautionary tale of Kenise Mobley, who, of course, was the Talk of the wrestling was talk of the online wrestling community, which obviously is now the entire wrestling community. I don't like <laughs> that phrase, but it was specifically very online people that were the most infuriated by something that was deemed by some to be a revelation, but not by any of us that haven't been living under a rock for the last 20 years. Kenise Mobley was, um, until very recently, obviously, when she was let go, a WWE writer, and it wasn't a prerequisite or it wasn't a thing that was requested in her at any point in her interview process that she be a WWE fan. And we've known this forever. You know, WWE likes hiring TV writers, they like hiring comedy writers. It used to be that if you were thought to even be a fan, you best keep it quiet. Otherwise, they'll think you're a quote mark or a stooge or somebody that's only in it to meet wrestlers, all that sort of thing. Kenise Mobley was just another writer like that. And she made some comments on a podcast. Um, obviously, infamously was... Um, wasn't sure if it was Bobby Ashley or Bobby Lashley, mm. you know, then and still WWE champion. Um, didn't really know much about any of the characters and just took a torrent of grief for this and then was let go and WWE used the um, rationale that it wasn't what she'd said. It was the fact that she'd gone out and said it at all. They don't like their writers to contribute to podcasts or indeed really, I guess, promote their existence. Hmm. For a company that for the longest time has presented itself not as pro wrestling, but as an entertainment show, for whatever reason, it holds on to this tenet that it's a wrestling show and that it doesn't have writers, that it doesn't have people that script these things. It's all of a sudden now the wrestling show is a wrestling show again. So that was the reason she was like, go whole mess, whole like ugliness. 
um, it was just, it wasn't a revelation, but it was a reminder, I guess, and quite a potent reminder of the inner workings of the organization. And what it revealed to me wasn't that WWE don't hire fans. That's fine. It revealed to me that this company at no point even thought to ask the question about product knowledge. Now that's any line of work, isn't it? That's me and you applying for jobs here at What Culture, mm. or anybody applying for jobs in any field. You would do some research, for example, and that's not something they requested of comedy writer Kenise Mobley. They saw everything else about a CV and never once thought to ask. So, what do you know about WWE? Why do you want to come and work for WWE? Hmm. Surely that must have come up over one, <laughs> two, three, however many of you she had, and it appears that it didn't. And I just found that completely fascinating. While everybody else seemed to be diving into just attacker, which I thought was like grossly unfair. Mm. I would imagine she's already really happy to be out of this strange bubble because mm-hmm. it probably wasn't the nicest experience for her. But yeah, it was all of that that then made me go back and look at some of these little odd sound bites that have crept out from the writer's room from over the years from people that have got out. It's a revolving door, man. There's been a million of them. So there's also lots of little interviews. You have to do a bit of digging out there, but you can find some pretty weird stuff if you look hard enough. Yeah, I always find these these sorts of things with with, with writers in particular almost more interesting than the the shoot interviews or whatever you want to call them with, with departing wrestlers, for example. Uh, and and we'll, we'll dive straight into it now because, you know, some of the secrets are, you know, stuff we've always suspected, but it is nice to hear them being spelt out. Well, not nice, but, uh, you know, it's fascinating to hear them uh, sort of explained. Let's start, as I often try to, uh, regularly on these top 10 debates and never really get around to, with Big Dick Johnson. Uh <laughs> Talk about the complete lack of, for a show that always feels so, you know, cobbled together at the last minute. And we always talk about, you know, rewrites and Vince coming in and ripping up the script. And we'll talk more about the uh, micromanagement of that in a sec. Talk about the never-ending nature of this and the, the fact of not even no days off, but barely any bloody hours off by the sounds of things. Yeah, no hours, no minutes, no seconds. Um, you have no life when you work for Vince McMahon because he doesn't. So he just expects that of his staff. And it's a, like, I, from the outside, like, this is just my own opinion. Like, I think that reads as a toxic work culture. A lot of people have lionized this in the past and said, oh, that's the way a good company runs is that, you know, if your boss is always on the clock, then so are you, all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, Big Dick Johnson, Christopher Joseph, uh, has been in and out of the company. So I think there are times where he's maybe been happy to be on that clock. And then other times where he just remembers that he's a human being and no one human should realistically <laughs> function like that. He, What this stuck out to me, and he's not the only person that's ever said this before, but Christopher Joseph, along with others, has made the idea of going on a private plane sound miserable. Mm. Have you ever been in a private plane, Wilborn? Uh, I think I had one of those ones where it was like a private plane, but it never left the ground. You just had some food on it. <laughs> As like a, <laughs> I think it was one of those planes that doesn't fly anymore. It's like, do you want to sit on a plane and have dinner? And he was like, yeah, I suppose. But no, I've never been lucky enough to go on a, a private plane, certainly. In the air, on a private plane, probably with a chef, with whatever you can possibly need in the air for however the time you're in there. I imagine with it being Vincent Mann, they're going state to state virtually. So mm. they're relatively short journeys up and down, that sort of thing. You see these images of the rock or i remember chris jericho got from his tour to all in in 2018 by a private plane and he later shared the picture and stuff like that um it's this aspirational wealth content isn't it it's like wow that is living Mm. imagine wherever you are 
It's like you, it's a real life bat signal that you can like shine your torch into the sky and your private plane come and picks you up and Ubers you home through the sky. <laughs> there can be nothing finer than that experience. And yet everybody speaks of being on it. It's like this miserable time. Jim Ross, I think, has mentioned it as well. You finish work, you go from the venue in a car, probably with Vince, to the airport where you're still with Vince, and then you get on his plane where it's back to work. It's back to work on the next thing. Uh, as Christopher Joseph put it, he said, you go to a meeting, you go through the show, there's changes, there's rewrites, you produce the show. Then you obviously get out of the plane, you get in the car and you go to the next town, you get on an airplane and you start all over again. The schedule was extremely difficult. 49 to 52 weeks a year of that, <laughs> he was quoted as saying that he did that as well. Um, it's He says, eat and sleep and drink WWE. Um, that's too literal. Like, mm. there's an, I don't know how much you want to touch on this elsewhere in the list, but that was, if you were lucky, eating and sleeping and drinking. Like, Vincent, your, your phone would be expected to be on all the time. You wouldn't even get opportunities to get food and drink breaks if it was a particularly, like, hefty meeting or something like that. It's um, it's not workable. It's not workable. It's, work it's workable if you choose to do it mm. and you're the one that benefits from the bottom line. So, basically, it's workable if you're Vincent McMahon and literally nobody else. <laughs> like... He's the one person that's chose to live this life and he's the guy that gets the benefit and literally every single person isn't him. So, <laughs> so yeah. like he's developed a working pattern that only he can, the only, literally only he can function with. It's just, it's just madness, isn't it? Because I, I read things like that and go, oh, it's, you don't need to exaggerate. I get it. It's, it. You're busy. And then, you know, you get different accounts of it and you're like, oh no, that is the case that he thinks that maybe the the drive from the, the arena to the airport is, well, there was your downtime. You know, you got yeah. to listen to some radio for five minutes there, but now yeah. we're all back together in a big plane. So let's plan next week's show or whatever. And also, it must feel so frustrating because of what we mentioned there and what we're going to get onto now in terms of it almost feels so futile of whether it be, you know, a long-term storyline or just, okay, this happens and then this happens the next week. And Vince just wakes up on one side of the bed the next day and goes, don't like it all of a sudden. I've suddenly changed my mind on either this person or this story or whatever. And like I say, in terms of a show that is maddening, you know, we sit here and tear it to pieces and you, you we think about like, good example. My brain said, oh, you know, bloody doodrap or whatever. But a good mm -hmm. example is the various name changes that the Viking experience went through where it felt like, Oh, God, we're two minutes away. What are we going to call them? What are we going to call them? Could, 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 could just say something, write something down. And yet you get accounts of it and you think it's, it sounds like, the only thing I can compare it to is something you and I would have experienced. It sounds like writing your essay the night before it's due in and anything will do, chuck anything on the page. Whereas in reality, this has been, well, you say it yourself, micromanaged to death. Yeah, that, um, that was a, a list entry title I used because it was a direct quote from Kevin Marshall, who was another writer. And he was speaking of a period of time, I believe I'm going from a memory here, but I think he was referring to a period between 2018 and 2019 when he was with the company. So we're, we're dealing with re relatively recent times. Um, and the nature of, I guess, like his revelation wasn't just the micromanagement because it's something we've known about Vincent Mann for the longest time, but it was in the manner that it made your job impossible and i'm not just talking so with obviously christopher joseph we're dealing with the physical and mental impossibilities of being able to function with no sleep or function with no food or never be off the clock or anything like that but 
as he puts, as Marshall put it, the job very quickly became about trying to figure out what Vince is thinking and then having him tell you he's changed his mind. So imagine just spending, there's a seven day run between Monday Night Raw and another Monday Night Raw and something has happened on the show where Vince has changed his mind. So you've got to immediately, whatever you had in mind for the next week, you've got to change direction because the boss has made it so. So you're like, oh, right, okay, I wonder why is, why is Vince done that? And you've got seven days to figure that out. You're like, right, you know, okay, so he's done that. So I guess we're going in this direction. And you're going to get to the next show and he just changes it again. You're like, oh, we were wrong about that then. And it's like, it must, it's an impossible job, um, obviously trying to work in those conditions. Um, and it, the writers are typically the ones criticized, you know, by podcasts like ours, I guess, when you yeah. hear a particularly minging promo and you just think, Christ, like how was a right, how were a writing team tasked with assembling that? And Kevin Marshall says it here. Um, he says, you know, I need people to quote. I need people to know is that the show was likely written well in advance and there was an attempt at it, but either nothing was approved or everything got scrapped and rewritten by the man himself. So we need, like, WWE wants us to think about a room full of people crafting this. And then in the reality, it's still the chaos of old man Vince coming in at the end and just setting fire to a lot of it. And Raw bears that out. Week after week after week, Raw bears it out. Um, it, it's human nature to try and find somebody to blame after an episode of Raw is particularly awful. Um, and Vince McMahon has to be that man. For years, mm -hmm. when things were good, and when you'd watch another one of them documentaries saying about how WWE put WCW out of business, everybody, every single talking head would say the difference between that company and ours was that the book stopped with Vince. Like that company didn't have a boss. Eric Bischoff wasn't there. Ted Turner, but you know, like sort of mismanagement, blah, 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 blah. Like WWE is the best. DX wrote a tank. Like <laughs> WWE is sucking out, doesn't suck no more. Like it was all because Vince McMahon was the boss. And yet, it's these writers, these unnamed writers until they leave, that are tasked with this impossible job. And then when a terrible scripted promo is like handed to a wrestler, we remember the story of CM Punk tearing a script up in front of a writer's face. Like, what chance have they got? Because Vince is going to take one look at it and think, well, I hate this, pal. Yeah. Like, let me let me fix another Raw. And then you get this, <laughs> this disaster piece of nothing in particular for three hours on a Monday. It's, it must be so infuriating because, you know, like you say, we we, we bury the writers. And I, I do feel a pang of, of regret as you meet, hear and read more about these sorts of things. Particularly because, you know, we sit here every week and we fantasy book things on podcasts and what have you. And, 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 and you know, I'm sure for, for a writer, they do much the same. And then I can only assume that if WWE say, do you want to come on and write Monday Night Raw? The legacy of that show is incredible. But also, the only thing I can think, because these you know reports are everywhere, is everyone must convince themselves. And I can understand why, because, you know, you're, you're always we're always sat here going, maybe Raw's going to get good next week, or, you know, maybe, you know, things are going to improve in, in other, these other areas, or this wrestler will finally be noticed and pushed in the right way, or whatever it may be. I can only assume these people take these jobs thinking I'm going to be the, the catalyst for change. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, you're just, you know, fighting against the, fighting against the tide and it's just not going to happen. Is it? That idea. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to be the one that changes all this. Like everybody else that's tried. That's, that's not, there's not one common problem that nobody wants to acknowledge. It was all of them. I'm going to be the one I'm going to get through it, the old man. Like, and in truth, the only people that got through it, the old men, like the old man, 
is the same men that did it like 20 years ago. <laughs> it's like Bruce Pritchard is back. Like Jeff Jarrett has worked his way into a role. Um, it's so bizarre to me that like, that if you think about the people that WWE has cycled through, specifically in the last few years, you've got the likes of uh, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff and Bruce Pritchard and Jeff Jarrett and John Laurinaitis and there's others, but like not many others. And it's about the same 20 people that have been booking <laughs> wrestling shows for like the last 20, 30 years. So they like, and they can't do it. Like they're not going to get through any more than just getting a seat at that table. So what chance does like poor little, like Johnny or Jane Hollywood have yeah. of coming in from like a completely different world where television shows are actually structured to <laughs> this? Like, what chance have they got? Yeah, we, we're not going to talk about it now, but if you want to read more about something similar to this, that the Hanford's mentioned this in this article, his poor, oh, doe-eyed Freddie Prince Jr. who oh. just has a moment where he's like, Oh no, this this is awful, and I can't change it. <laughs> That's great. I've, I've referred to it as this moment of clarity. Find out what that is at whatculture.com forward slash WWE. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Well, let's continue uh, with more uh, parts of this uh, 10 behind-the-scenes secrets revealed by former WWE writers article from uh, whatculture.com. And let's let's lighten the mood uh, by making Vince McMahon look like a bit of a tit. Mugged off by, of all people, Donald bloody Trump. Oh, great. Absolutely great, this. Rarely will um, Donald Trump be the babyface in any story ever about him or anything else, for that matter. 
Um, and he's not technically the babyface here, but if we're casting Vince as the primary heel of this world, of this podcast, um, I guess Trump is the babyface by default. Uh, this was a Court Bauer story. Cause, of course, Court Bauer has made a career for himself outside of WWE very comfortably with MLW and other things. I was going to do Vince's in there and other things of that nature. Um, <laughs> but it, just a delicious tidbit. I think anybody that lived through Vince McMahon versus Donald Trump of 2007 um, knew, like, you could see the peacocking. Mm. Um, Trump was only going to be Trump. Vince McMahon was going to play a character and show ass when he needed to, because it's, you know, it's his business and he's going to draw a big number for WrestleMania and all that kind of thing. He's a, he's a, he's a carny mark like the rest of them, right? Uh, like, like, like all of us, it's, it's his world, whether or not he even wants to call it wrestling. It's a wrestling <laughs> world and he's on top of it. Um, so he knew when to sell and when to do all this sort of thing. But uh, the story that Court Bauer told to Chris Jericho on the podcast, um, I hope Jericho wasn't too offended by this because obviously he had quite a lot of financial investment in Donald Trump. Didn't <laughs> was that, was this angle and they got back in the car and they're on their way to the next show, whatever it was. They're just, they're just talking about what they're going to do next for the Battle of the Billionaires build. And Vince McMahon in the limousine is apparently fuming. He's absolutely raging. And everyone's a little bit too scared to ask why. This angle's going really well. Projections are good for WrestleMania 23. It ended up being like one of the most bought pay-per-views ever off as a result of who's going to get shaved. But like inspired, who's going to get shaved bald? Really inspired stipulation choice for Vince and Trump. Look at their haircuts. It's going to, it's going to draw. Everyone should be really happy doing backflips. Not Vince McMahon. Um, they're mates. They're kindred spirits. We know this about them. They go back years. But he believed that Donald Trump had intentionally gone out of his way to show him up for the night. Quote from Colt Bauer speaking in the voice of Vince McMahon. Did you see that? He was wearing that jacket. Clearly his shoulder pads were stuffed to look bigger than me. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and like, what's so brilliant about that is that like Vince has absolutely no qualms about having a better body than 95% of his under 20, like under 35 roster. It's something he seems to enjoy. Like you can just imagine him going up to Ricochet looking like, Looking a little small there, kid. And then, like, taking off his suit jacket and flexing through his shirt or something like that. <laughs> so he knows this. He understands Donald Trump's ridiculous billionaire behaviour, but he can't see it. He refuses to look in that mirror and be like, I can't believe he would do that. Who the does he think he is? And now, the more we've learned about Donald Trump, the president, 100% accurate, isn't it? They're still yeah. about, like, I looked at that picture in a way that I've never looked at that picture before when I read that story. Because I've attached an image with it, and you're like, he stuffed his shoulder pads. He, has. <laughs> he absolutely has. Like he's, yeah. he's so he's like his body is like a shoebox at the top. <laughs> it's like a child drawing a drawing an adult. It's just like oh, yeah. square shoulders is it, Timmy? Okay, it's so weird. It's so weird. But like you say, it's it's a hundred percent in keeping. I still remember the first time I saw Vince McMahon <laughs> with his top off. <laughs> you know, if I don't know how old I would have been. You know, but at that age, you're like, okay, there's kids younger than me. There's people my age. There's like teenagers, like older teenagers. And then there's adults. And after a certain age, adults just go all floppy. They all yeah. go a bit flabby, bit, you know, middle-aged spread, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, okay, yeah, there's Vince. He's the, he's the old boss. I mean, he wouldn't like me here saying that, but you know what I mean by that. And he, I was like, Sorry, is that, a, I mean, everyone must know that's a Photoshop when I saw a photo of it. Everyone must know that that, that can't be, oh my God, there he is in a vest fighting Stone Cold. No, that's not <laughs> real. What is, what is life? So like you say, he's got nothing to prove when he stands yeah. next to, to Donald Trump. Unless Donald Trump's wearing like 
platform shoes and he suddenly gets six inches on him. It's, it doesn't <laughs> matter, you know, in terms of, I'm not going to sit there, even at that age, and go, Donald Trump's more Jack than Vince McMahon. But he, like you say, his insecurities just, just bleed through. Speaking of insecurities, well, I've been looking forward to this one. Triple H. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't even want to spoil it. So I'm just, I'm just going to say, speaking of insecurities, Michael Hamlet, Triple H. Yes. Romance together when I wrote this. Yes. Uh, Paul, you can't shag my daughter and you can't carry my world title. See you later. <laughs> Love this. Love this. So the story, if anybody doesn't know it, between about the SummerSlam 99 main event, Triple H versus Steve Austin versus Mankind. A well-told story at this point. Austin, always with a good ear and instinct for who he should be working with, who was ready, who was the next guy, etc. even though like he wanted to hold on to that spot himself. Had great instincts for who he, you could believably buy as like a guy that could theoretically be a top guy with Steve Austin. For example, his career feud with The Rock. <laughs> he knew when to say when and be like, yeah, he's the biggest star of me. That's fine, let's do this. Um, he didn't see it in Triple H. And a planned singles elevation of Triple H at SummerSlam 99 became a fairly transparent triple threat as a way to transfer the title onto Mankind, who would lay down for Triple H the next night. Austin was prepared to lose to Mick Foley, but he was not prepared to lose to Triple H yet. He would in the end, but he wasn't yet. That's always been the common word. Austin's confirmed it. They've talked about it. It's all out there, you know, etc. Um, Bruce Pritchard offered a bit more insight to this. And I miss these days. I miss yeah. these days. Not when Bruce Pritchard was just awake enough to do the Conrad podcasts yeah. because he's shattered now, but when he was mad keen on giving all of the game away before he was back on the payroll and he was a bit more careful about the Vince stories and all that sort of stuff. So it comes from a golden era of the, the Bruce and Conrad podcasts. And Bruce let this little tidbit out about Triple H's 1999 push around SummerSlam. He, he corroborates. He says, I don't think um, Steve or a lot of agents felt that Hunter was ready for the championship yet. But... Da, da, da. Quote, that wasn't a Steve call, that was a Vince call. And that was a lot of the agents. When they heard that, they felt, he'll be ready someday, just not ready right now, just not with Steve. Oh, I love it so much, man, because so much of Triple H's career, is in, we've done this on a billion podcasts, so much of his career is like informed by paranoia and insecurity. Oh, you're best mates with Shawn Michaels. How do you feel that he's always been better than you? What? what? Now I'm going to win 50 world titles, and then we'll see who's better. Like, uh, oh, you're like, you're like Austin and Rock, but the level below, aren't you? Well, I'm just going to stick around longer until Steve Austin took his ball home. And where's the Rock now? He's doing films. He's nothing. That's, uh, I see, um, see Sting's back. Um, yeah, more like uh, WCW reject. I'll go over. Thank you very much. Like, that's, it's all like sort of, are you worried that you're always going to be considered a hanger on it? Uh, would a hanger on Marion at the family? Don't think so. One little me. <laughs> like, could map his whole career out on a series of like really funny rampant insecurities. And this is great because it's one thing for Steve Austin, the top guy to be sort of twisting dad's arm about like, not yet, not yet boss, not yet. Sorry. Like I'll put him over soon, but not yet. But I love the idea that Vince has heard that. I've been like, yeah, right. Actually <laughs> pedigree is pretty good, but not yet. I'm not, there's few too many headlocks there, brother. Like I, I love, I love that Vince, the guy that like triple H is at that, was a creative meeting between 98 and 99. He was like, I'm not saying he was worming his way into the family. I believe in the true romance of Stephanie and Triple. Yeah. Love happens. No, love happens. Um, I don't think that was his plan. His plan was to be at the top of the industry. His plan wasn't to meet and fall in love with Stephanie McMahon. But it is funny mm. that his future father-in-law was like, well, you're all right. 
it's funny to me that once upon a time, Vince McMahon looked upon a Triple H and went, oh, he's a B-plus player. It's spectacular, isn't it? And I, you know, I know we, we, we often hear that Vince McMahon surrounds himself with glad-handing douchebag yes-men, right? But I do like the idea of him. It's just, you know, Steve Austin, uh, not yet. Vince, no, not yet. And all the writers are like, yeah, no, not yet. No, I agree. <laughs> it's a Triple H. It's so funny to think about people actually having agency with Triple H in the room, isn't it? Like, Who, that guy? No, obviously. Good call, Vince. I'm not going to fight you whatsoever. Being the size of his nose. Uh, let's conclude with a final bit of fun here. Um, Vince McMahon's a terrible human being, but yeah, occasionally, you know, broke a stop clock and all that. And I think we've all been guilty of this sometimes of going, hmm, those two don't get on. Just wind them up and see what happens. The infamous Vince Russo versus Jim Cornette feud rivalry, you know, lifetime of uh, animosity between the two of them. Vince McMahon, get a hand in creating that. I love this one. I just love this so much. I do this with my two kids sometimes. <laughs> I think so much they like my boys squabble when like me and my wife don't need it. We're, we're busy with something or we need to get them ready to go to school or whatever. And they're squabbling and it's like, why now? Why now? But sometimes you can use that to your advantage and you can find the squabble. If you need a bit of entertainment, like God forbid the power goes out and you can't watch the telly and just set the kids on each other for a bit. I'll get a bit <laughs> of entertainment. Like that's Vince McMahon's entire life. He has the power to do that whenever he wants. The power only goes out because he's the power. So yeah. he can decide if he wants to do that or not. And I love um, that in Vince Russo, we all know the story at this point, or if you don't, I'm happy to tell it again because I think it's a tremendous story. As a loyal Raw magazine subscriber that I was in 1996-97, that story of Vince McMahon storming into the writer's room, having been battered by Nitro for the umpteenth week in a row, and slamming the Raw magazine on the table and saying to the likes of Jim Ross and Jim Cornette and Bruce Pritchard, these old hands, these old guards, this is what you need to be doing. And this was code for the brash New Yorker bro that we all came to know as Vince Russo because he'd wrote this amazing magazine that month after month was telling better stories than the TV show was. And it forced Vince Russo into the room with all these old people that were probably none too pleased that this brash New Yorker was there. Vince McMahon had to have seen something in himself in Russo. We know that he prefers the Northeast to the Southern States guys. And who's more Southern than frigging Jim Ross and Jim Cornette? Mm. Like Vince had them because he needed them, not because he wanted them. Vince Russo, this brash, cocky New York guy, is exactly the type of guy he wants. And it was for a good time, not a long time. Let's be honest, Russo burned bright, but burned out pretty quickly. But in that period of burning bright, it's so funny to me to think. And Russo, on whatculture.com forward slash WWE, if you follow the link through, where you'll find Vince Russo's author's page, Mm -hmm. because even he knew where his bread was buttered once upon a time. He notes, he says... uh, Channel my Wilborn, channeling Enzo. Me, 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 bro, 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 bro. Even though it was done with non-malice, Vince just loved stirring the shit up with those in his circle. He did it for years between me and Bruce, especially me and JR. You know the game, say something to me, then say something to them, back to me, yada, yada, yada. We <laughs> make something perfectly clear. Even though there was no ill intent, and Vince was doing this for his own sense of entertainment, bro. It did drive wedges between us all. No serious gaps, but enough to give you a sense of mistrust. Vince was just great at playing that game. Smash cut to 20 years later when they're threatening to murder each other over Twitter. <laughs> like, 
Vince was playing a game for a week because he was bored. And here we are now where you've got like Vince Russo having to take out a restraining order from a death threat. It is like, I, I, like you say, it's, it's awful this, right? To just, like you say, light the fuse on this this feud, this feud that will never ever end. Well, are different. How can I have fun with that? Well, then I like, I, I did it myself. I did it. I could literally think of when we used to be in the office. God, I miss those days. We'll be back soon. Um, when we're in the office, and uh, you know, we've got you've got your desk that you sit across w- with uh, Sidric on. There used, to, there used to be big lines of desks. If people don't know, big lines of desks. So there was one with like uh, the, the Dadleys on and a few of our editors. And then there was another one where like I sat across from Phil and there was Chris, one of our editors who sat next to me and uh, and uh, Nicholas and Phil and uh, a whole host of other people. And then the other end of the room, there was another big desk that had the likes of like uh, Adam Cleary on and Andy Murray. Ewan Patterson, I love Ewan, works on comics and does all that sort of thing. Big Liverpool fan. And as a couple of years ago, where I'd just wander over and he'd sit either across from or slightly down from Cleary. So I'd just wander over and go, right, Cleary, mate, see you uh, game at the weekend. I thought Liverpool were kind of lucky to get the three points there. And you, I could just feel, because I'm not directing at Ewan, but I know he's in earshot. Or I'd say something like, you're right, yeah, you're right there, Cleary. Uh, you know what I think? Star Wars is a bit, bit crap. <laughs> it's stuff like that you know like I don't really believe it but it's fun to it's winding people up and watching them go isn't it we've all been guilty of it oh yeah it's like it's fun to toss the bait out once in a while isn't it but when again like it's it's one thing as you say there like a nice bit of gentle office patter that will ultimately just dissolve it's amazing that like Vince Russo versus the world could be traced back to Vince McMahon being a psychopath <laughs> It's just, I mean, there's a whole host. We could do another, a whole other uh, podcast on this, and I'm sure you could write another, another list very easily on this. But uh, do go and check out the rest of this uh, ten behind the scenes secrets revealed by former WWE writers to find out what WWE or Stephanie McMahon thinks are super marks. You bloody idiot! <laughs> what? What are you doing? Like in the wrestling industry? <laughs> I don't know what you're doing here, mate. In world wrestling <laughs> entertainment. Anyway. Uh, let us know your thoughts on all of the things we've discussed and, uh, yeah, what it would take for you to become a WWE writer uh, at what WWE on Twitter. Watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet, who wrote this article, at... Michael Hamflet. Follow me, at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Hamlet, as always, is great fun. Check out the full article he's written at WhatCulture.com, as I said. But for now, this has been another Top 10 Debate. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.